God, we thank you for uh, your goodness. I thank you for an opportunity to gather with your people uh, this morning to express our gratitude to you, to express the the great truths that you have shown us through your son, that he is the source of life, that he is the foundation of of everything that we do. And I I pray that that would be the marker of our time uh, this morning as well as we uh, open your word together as we consider what it means to be a follower of Jesus in, in this life, I pray that you would help us to, to draw our hearts to Jesus and to, to desire to live in obedience to him and, and find our, our whole existence in him. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is the start of a new year. It's the first Sunday uh, of 2019. So that means it's the first time that the church is gathering uh, in this new year. We have a unique opportunity to start the year off with renewed focus. And the unique part about it is that it's not just our church family, but it's a whole community of churches. 15 local churches are starting the year off in the same way with, with 21 days of prayer and fasting. So this is an opportunity for us to join with the uh, larger local church here in Ludington and Mason County to express our need for God and to seek him. Now, just to be uh, clear, so make sure we're we're on the same page here, uh, fasting is going without food or going without something else for a period of time. And Christian fasting is doing that with a spiritual purpose. It's us expressing our, our need for God, our desire for him, our hunger for him more than anything else. Now, when we say 21 days of prayer and fasting, you might think that's pretty extreme. Uh, Not all of us are going to do a full fast uh, from uh, all solid foods or anything like that. If you are planning to do that, I would uh, suggest you do some research on how to do that in a a safe way, a healthy way. We don't want anyone kind of uh, getting in in trouble physically during this time period. Uh, But but many of us, we we don't really have any background with uh, fasting and prayer at all. Many of us have maybe tried it here and there or or done something here and there, but we really haven't had an extended uh, period of, of fasting and praying before God. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to start small. It's okay to start small, uh, but I encourage you to consider giving something like maybe one meal per day for the next three weeks, or maybe you decide to fast from a- every beverage except for water during this 21-day uh, period, or maybe you want to do a non-food uh, fast, maybe uh, fasting from television or from social media or something else. But, but I want to challenge you to, to give up something that that you will notice. So something that's going to require some kind of change in your routine, a change in your lifestyle as a way of expressing with your whole self that God is what you need most. So 21 days of prayer and fasting, 15 churches in our community are engaging this, in this together. Now, if you're like me, uh, you already have a bad attitude about this. Uh, when I first heard about this a few months ago, uh, I had two initial thoughts. One, that's a great idea. And two, I don't want to do that at all. Uh, But here we are. Uh, My wife and I have a rough history of uh, anything getting between us and the food uh, we want to eat. When we were engaged, uh, my wife decided, my then fiance Emily decided to go on this cleanse diet. And I don't remember all the details of how it went. I think it started off with a couple days of uh, only uh, clear liquids, and then you kind of added a smoothie or something like that along down the lane. So I I don't remember the details of it, but What I do remember is the effect this had on my uh, then-fiancé. If you know Emily, you know that she's a pretty easygoing person. She's pretty pleasant to be around. She's really good at not getting worked up about lots of things. But something happens to her when she's not eating normally. 
I'm not going to get into all the details. I don't want to put a stain on her character, but uh, let me just say that after 24 hours, her roommates were begging her to just stop this thing and go back to eating normal food. This was just not a good thing for her, and and I'm no better. We tried this after we were married, thinking maybe if we do this together, we'll be able to encourage each other. 12 hours in, I I head off when I'm buying cheeseburgers and a mountain of fries, because this is not something that I want to do. So, why on earth would I think this is a good idea? Why, why would I sign up for a 21-day period of praying and fasting together? It's, it's, it's kind of like we're, we're playing with fire here. Let's, let's get all the Christians in Ludington and make them really hangry and see how we can kind of affect the community that way. Like it's, it's, right? it's, it's, it's this whole experiment that we're doing here. But this is, this is really important for us because this isn't just about going without something. It's not just about giving up something. It's about us pursuing something more, pursuing something better. It's, it's saying no to good gifts of God. Food is a, is a gift. It's a blessing from God. When we eat, we eat to his glory. But for a period of time, we're saying no to his good gifts in order to pursue God himself, which is so much better. Now, we have to say at the outset that fasting is not something that's commanded of followers of Jesus, but we do see as we look at Scripture that this is something that is beneficial. It's a way for us to express our devotion to God and to show with our whole bodies that we need him more than anything else. So let's take a look at Scripture here and see why we are engaging in this. Now, typically, we will um, open one passage of Scripture, really camp out of that and dig deep into one passage as we gather. Today, we're going to look at a whole bunch of different passages. So if you want, you can grab a Bible and you can kind of try to keep up and flip back and forth with me. But I will have the verses on the screen uh, behind us. We're going to look at uh, what the Bible says about fasting this morning. Now, as, as we look at this, uh, we are praying and fasting for two main reasons. We're praying and fasting because we need God in our lives desperately. And we're praying and fasting because we need God's work in our world. So let's look at the first part of this, that we are fasting and praying because we need more of God. Fasting is an opportunity for us to ex- focus on our relationship with God and express our dependence upon him. And Jesus himself gives gives us the example of this. So this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now the story will go on, but we're just going to focus on that little part here. What's noteworthy about this is that this, this is something that happens right at the outset of Jesus' public ministry. So we just celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the birth of Jesus, his coming into the world, and all that that means for us. And then last week, we saw how God raised up this prophet named John the Baptist to point ahead to Jesus and say he is the most important one. He is the savior of the world. And we might expect coming out of that to then see Jesus entering right into his ministry, healing, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, teaching people about God. But before he does any of those things, He stops and he heads out into the wilderness and he spends 40 days not eating, fasting, and spending time with his father. Now, why does he do that at the outside of his ministry? Well, it says here in 4.1 that the spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So what we're seeing happening here is there's this showdown between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And the devil is going to try to convince Jesus to give up God's way and to kind of choose a different path. But Jesus refuses that, he rejects that, and it sets the whole course of his ministry. But notice that there is this period of fasting leading up to that big showdown. 
So Jesus leads into that showdown and into the ministry to follow by spending extensive time in prayer and fasting with his father. So we we see that this is a time of spiritual preparation for Jesus. And this is a practice that he's going to continue throughout his life, not necessarily explicitly with fasting. We don't read about another 40-day fast that he does, but he is often going to solitary places to be alone with God and to spend time in prayer. So we see this in Matthew chapter uh, 14, verse 13. Jesus has, has this event, John the Baptist dies, and when Jesus hears about it, the Bible says he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Uh, just the next chapter, later on in the same chapter, again, he does the same thing. He dismisses the crowd and he goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So he's alone praying with the Father. The same thing at the beginning of the book of Mark. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus is giving us the example of how important it is for us to to get away and get alone with God, to spend time with him. And fasting is a way that intensifies that experience of seeking God's face and seeking more of him. Now, following the example of Jesus here is so crucial for us to actually have this be a a beneficial time for us. Because if we're just focused on giving something up or fasting from something, we're going to miss a crucial central part of this. We're, We're giving something up to be able to focus in our effort and our energy on seeking God himself. So, for example, if you give up television during this 21 days, use the time that you would have otherwise spent in front of the TV in prayer before God, spend time in personal worship of him. Or if you're fasting in in, in some food kind of way, giving up a, a meal a day, use that time to spend focused time in prayer before God. Jesus is giving us the example of this. See, at the heart of Christian fasting is a recognition that God himself is the great feast. It's saying that God is better than the best food. God is better than the best drink. We need him more than anything else. And those who have experienced that have, have borne witness to that, have testified to the reality that God is so good. And we see this throughout the Bible, the, the writers saying that you have, to, you have to see how good he is. So we see it in, in Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So it's recognition that, that God is so good. And then God himself invites us to experience that. So this great chapter, Isaiah chapter 55, God calls to his people. Come, all you, are her- all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. You will delight with the richest affairs. It is God himself who is most satisfying to us. We see it again at the very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. We are invited to see that that God is what we truly need. He is so much more satisfying than anything else we might look to. And fasting is is a tangible reminder to ourselves, to our bodies, that that is true. And so when our, when our stomachs cry out for, for food or when our bodies cry out for something we want, we remember that our spiritual need is actually more foundational 
more important, more fundamental even than our physical need. And as we fast, as we pray, we're proclaiming with our bodies the joy of having him. So this is why we fast. We fast because we need God in our lives. But there's a danger here as well. And it's a danger that Jesus points out. The danger is that we will do this to show how awesome we are. This happened in Jesus' day. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, he's warning against people who are doing this for show. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, we are such twisted people that we'll take something good and we'll turn it around to try to give glory to ourselves and attention for ourselves. But that's not what this is about at all. Now, notice that that Jesus assumes that his followers are going to be fasting. When you fast, do it in this way. So he he is not commanding that we fast, but he is assuming that we will be participating in in fasting and in prayer. But let's make sure we really hear his warning here. Now, this this is not going to be an individual fast. This is a, a corporate fast, something that we're doing together. But that doesn't mean that we need to go around parading it in front of each other or talking about it all the time. We don't need to tell each other what we're fasting from. If you want the accountability, you can do that in your life group. That could be a good location for that. But let's not make a big deal about how much we're suffering and complain about how hard it is and how hungry we are. Instead, let's remember that this is about us pursuing God and getting more of him, finding our satisfaction in him alone. Because that's what this is about. This isn't about parading it in front of other people or making a big show of how great our willpower is. This is about us pursuing God. So as we start a new year, we're renewing our focus on the most important thing, reminding ourselves that we need God more than anything else. Now, there will be plenty of times as you engage this when you are going to think, this was not a good idea. This is not fun. I don't like doing this at all. Your, your, your body is going to be aching for whatever it is that you decide that you are going to fast from during this 21-day period. But, but training ourselves to say no to things we really want for what is better is such a vital part of learning to grow as a follower of Jesus. Like We don't like it when our body is screaming at us, but that can actually be a really beneficial thing, right? That's kind of how exercise works often. Uh, this summer, while my family was in Alaska, I spent some time um, mountain biking with my brother-in-law. Um, the place that we were staying for the summer was at, at the top of, or at the side of this uh, place called Lazy Mountain. So basically, it was uh, up this three and a half mile uh, road, climbing all the way up, uh, and then kind of a, a place at the top, uh, the side of the mountain there. So one day, my, my brother-in-law brought some mountain bikes over, and we decided to go for a little ride. We were going to start at the top, ride all the way down the hill, that's the fun part, and then go through some trails, and then we're smart, so we're going to get picked up at the bottom by our wives and be driven back to the top of that, uh, that mountain. So this was a great idea, and we had a lot of fun. But this thing happened, and I, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but, but somehow I think one of us joked that we should just ride back up that mountain. And this is going to be a, a fun, but that, that joke then kind of turned into a challenge and I'm not going to back down from a challenge for my brother-in-law, and he's not going to back down from a challenge for me, so we decide, okay, we're doing this. Up we go. And we start off enthusiastically, right? This is a challenge. It's going to be difficult, but we're going to do this. We're going to feel great about ourselves. Up we go. 
Have you ever ridden a, a mountain bike up a three and a half mile steep hill? It takes about a quarter of a mile for you to decide that's not a fun challenge. We're just starting with this, and my legs are burning, and I'm going so slowly up this hill. And I've got this mantra in my head, this was a bad idea, this was a bad idea, this was a bad idea. With every little crank of that, that, uh, the spokes there, I'm just saying, this was bad, this was bad, this was bad. But my brother-in-law is ahead of me, and he's not quitting. There's no way I'm going to quit and let him bike up that mountain, and I'm going to go get picked up in a car. It doesn't matter that he bikes every single day of his life, and I'm brand new at biking, but I'm not going to let him get to the top of that hill, and I'm going to lose that. So I just decide I'm going to grit this out, and with all my willpower, I'm just cranking all the way up that thing. I don't know how long it took me to get up that hill, but after it seems like hours of just climbing and climbing and climbing, I finally made it to the top. I got off the bike. I could, my legs were like jelly. I could hardly walk. I had to kind of hold on to the car to even get back into the house, but I did it. I looked at that. That's my willpower. I can do that. That might be you for the next 21 days. You might come to day two and decide, you know what? This was not fun, but I am going to grit it out. I'm going to show how strong I am. I'm going to do all my willpower. I'm going to do this thing. At the end of 21 days, you say, look what I did. Look how strong I am. Look what I was able to accomplish with my willpower. But that would miss the whole point. Let's be clear on this. We're not doing this to show how strong we are or to test our willpower. There's a difference between fasting and Christian fasting. Christian fasting is is using this as a time of, of intensified longing for more of God. So as Pastor John Piper puts it, it's like an exclamation point with our bodies that we need God more than anything. So fasting and prayer is not about our strength. It's about us coming in our emptiness. It's about us expressing our longing for God, saying we need you. That's why we fast. We fast because we need God in our lives. And I'm excited to see how how God is going to use this in my life. I'm I'm not a seasoned faster. I've already said how this affects my wife and I. We don't do well at this, but I'm excited to see how this period of, of coming before God and seeking him is going to change us. I'm excited to hear what he does in your life through this as well. As the pastors have prepared for this, we've been praying that God would use this as a time of powerful spiritual renewal in our lives and the lives of our churches and to see God's work in our community. So we fast and we pray because we need God in our lives. But there's another side to this as well. We fast and we pray because we need God to work in our world. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Nehemiah, and he looks at what happens, is happening in the world around him, and he's really distressed by it. So here's what we read, Nehemiah chapter 1. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now there's a whole bunch of historical background and theological significance to all this, but I want to just focus on the response that Nehemiah has. He he sees something is happening, and he knows that what's happening is not right, and he responds by humbling himself before God and seeking God's face. He, He prays and he fasts. And what happens through the book of Nehemiah is that God responds to this, and he directs Nehemiah's path, and this starts this great work of God in his time. 
It's it's an amazing story of how Nehemiah seeks God's face. He says, God, this is not right. I'm not okay with what's happening here. He's fasting before God, praying before, before him, and then God responds by acting and doing this great work. And we see the same thing happening in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 13, it it says that the start of a a new mission that the church sends out. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menain, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now that's a pretty understated little statement and it's really easy to miss the significance of that. But that event sparked this whole new gospel mission in the the western part of the Roman Empire that had far-reaching significance. So the, the leaders of that church gathering together, fasting and praying, God speaks to them through that as they're expressing their dependence upon him and need for him, and he sends them out in a way that transforms the world. The world has never been the same since that. It sounds like hyperbole, but it's the truth. God used that to send his people out and has tra- impacted the whole Western Roman Empire, and that gospel has gone out from there, and, and even today we are beneficiaries of that gospel movement. And, and that's what we see happening Throughout the book of Acts, it's the story of of God's people being prompted and seeking his face. They pray, and then God's spirit acts, and the mission goes forward. This is why it's so important for us to uh, engage in this 21-day period of prayer and fasting, because we are always reliant upon the work of God in our world, and we desperately need God to act and to work in our world. See, as we look out into our community, we see that there is need There are great people here. It's a great community to live in, but there is also brokenness and there is pain and there is hurt. There is so much need. And so like Nehemiah, we look around, we see the people all around us. They have a need. Just like we need Jesus, they need Jesus desperately. And so seeing that, we're moved to stop and to pray and to ask God to act. And this has been our history as a church. A little over six years ago, we looked around and we saw that we were not being effective at bringing the gospel, in particular, to the kids and to the young families in our community. We had about a handful of kids here. And so this was not okay with us. We we saw this is not right. There are kids in our community who need to hear about Jesus. and, And God has called us to do that. And so we prayed and we asked God to move and we took intentional steps to engage this mission. And God worked in powerful ways. He blessed us with the opportunity to engage a whole bunch more kids and to point them to Jesus here through kids' ministries, through kids' church, out in the community, through kids' hope and with our neighbors and other things like that. A few years ago, we again took a hard look at our effectiveness in leading people to life in Christ and impacting our community with the gospel. We looked around. We looked at the community. We looked at ourselves We realize there are thousands of people right here in our own neighborhood, right in our own community, who don't know what a real relationship with Jesus looks like. And Jesus has called us to testify to what we have experienced of him, that we have tasted and seen that he is good, that he is satisfying. See, Jesus means the world to us. He is our greatest treasure. We want everyone to find life in him. So again, we prayed. We took intentional steps. We encouraged each one of us who's a follower of Jesus to ask God to put one person on our hearts who needs Jesus because this needs to be personal for us. 
It's not just about, okay, the church should go reach thousands of people for Jesus, but it has to be personal for us. And we ask God to put that one person on, on our hearts, not someone who's our project, but someone that we deeply care about, our neighbor, our coworker, our friend, our family member, someone that we deeply love. And we commit ourselves to saying, I am going to pray for this person. I'm going to point them to Jesus. I'm going to build a relationship with them. I'm going to show them the love of Christ. And we've tried to keep that one mission in front of ourselves. There have been stories of God doing some great things throughout that. I'm proud to be part of a, of a church family that wants to bring the good news of Jesus out into the community, who's not content to just be complacent, coming and gathering and sitting in services, but to bring the good news of Jesus, the life-transforming news of Jesus out into the community. But I think it's easy to grow tired. I think it's easy to get discouraged about this and grow weary. And I think for many of us, that's where we are. It feels like nothing is happening sometimes. This is why it's important for us to to have this period of time to to refocus ourselves and, and ask God to give us more of himself in our lives, but also to ask him to work among us, to work in our community, to draw more people to life in him, to bring our one to the transforming gospel of Jesus, to find life in him. So let's recommit to that, recommit in our own lives to seeking God first and foremost at the beginning of the year and to seek to to re-engage this mission, to ask God to work through us for his glory so that more and more people would find life in his son. And see, when we we get to approach God in fasting and prayer, we we do so with, with an expectation that he is going to answer. But at the same time, We have to recognize that God may not give the immediate answers that we're looking for. God doesn't work on our timetable. He doesn't have to follow our plan. So here's my challenge. Persevere in this. Persevere in prayer. And when I say persevere, I'm not talking about perseverance in the sense of, you know, getting on that bike and cranking it out, hiking up a mountain. I'm talking about, are we really desperate for God's work in our community? Are we really desperate for God's work in in our lives? Do we know that we need him so much? Do we want his kingdom more than anything else so that we won't stop praying and acting until he gives us more of himself, until we see our neighbors, our coworkers, our one come to find life in him? Do we really want his actions so much that we continually seek his face day after day after day, persevering in this? This summer, my older kids signed up for a uh, one-kilometer race called Running with the Bulls. It was at this muskox farm uh, that was near where we were staying. And they didn't actually run with the muskox. They were penned up. Don't worry, it was safe. But I was a little bit um, concerned that the kids would be able to run that far. And so uh, I did a little training run with them uh, ahead of time to kind of see if they were going to be able to do this. And sure enough, um, about two-thirds of the way through our little training run, uh, my daughter decided she's done. She can't do this anymore. So she stops at the side of the road and she says, you know what, you're going to have to carry me home. I can't go on anymore. Now, I'm a sucker for my daughter, but I'm not convinced. So I give her this little pep talk. I say, listen, you are stronger than you think you are. I know that you can run all the way home. Well, she's not buying it. There's no way. She's not listening to me at this point. She's crying. She's screaming. She's fighting. She sits down on the road and says, you're going to have to carry me. I'm like, okay. I'm going to pull out the trump card, bribery. So I tell her, okay, I know that you are stronger than you think, and I'm going to prove to you that you are stronger than you think. If you will stand up and run all the way home, I will give you a tasty cake cupcake. 
Well, she buys it, right? She takes the bait and she pops right up and she starts running all the way home. She says, Daddy, you're right. I am stronger than I think. I know you are. That's why I'm telling you to do this. But see, with, with that focus in mind, wanting that thing more than anything else, she could forget that her legs were tired and that she didn't want to do this anymore. She, could, she had her, her focus in on that and it kept her mind occupied on driving forward to that thing and it kept her moving forward. I was really proud of her because when it actually came to race day, she tripped and fell in the first 10 meters, but then she had to scrape up bloody knees, but then she popped up. She ran the full kilometer. She got a little prize for her. I was super proud. But that's the point that I want to get to with with living on mission. I I want to want God's kingdom more than anything else. I I want to have in my mind that prize of of more people coming to find life in Jesus. My my one, this person that I I love and I care about, I want to have in my mind the, the picture of them coming to trust Jesus, coming to be baptized and expressing their devotion to him. I want to have that in my mindset. I want to be passionate about this so that with that mind, with that goal, with that focus, it means that even when I don't want to and even when I'm lazy and even when it's inconvenient and even when it's messy, I'm still going to pour into the lives of my neighbors, into the life of my one and to pray for them and to ask God to work in their lives because I'm so desperate for it. God has called us to a good work. Let's renew our focus on this. Let's keep our eyes on what he has called us to. But here's the thing. We're never going to do that if we haven't tasted and seen that he is good. But he is. He is so good. See, if, if I know that God is good, if I have experienced the, the healing and the wholeness from knowing that I am rescued and redeemed in Jesus, then I want everyone to be able to experience that, to recognize that I, I know in myself I could never approach a holy God. I'm, I'm too sinful. I'm too flawed for that. What I deserve is God's condemnation. But instead of that, he sent his son to come and to rescue me at great cost to himself. Jesus died on the cross, and the death that he died was the death that I deserved. But instead of that, he has offered me forgiveness through his sacrificial death. And God raised him from death to life. And the resurrection shows that God's power wins over the powers of sin and darkness and death forever. And now we have found life in him. And if we have found life in him, we want everyone to be able to find life in him too. That's what drives us. That's what drives our mission. Church, our God is so good. We need him more than anything. And his work in our world is so good. Let's use these next three weeks to to focus our hearts, to focus our intention, to remember what is most important and what we are called to. So a really simple call to action today. Join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting, together with hundreds of Christians right here in our own county, asking for more of God in our own lives, asking for more of his work right here. It's really easy to opt out of this and decide, yeah, that's not for me. But I want to challenge you to take this seriously, to take up this challenge, 21 days of seeking the face of God, asking for more of him in our lives and more of him in our community. Now, if you're new to fasting, uh, we've got a couple of of resources out in the commons area. There's a little article we printed out uh, called Fasting for Beginners. Uh, If you want some practical tips and things like that, that's a great place to start. It keeps the the theological focus in mind and then also gives a few uh, tips and pointers along the way. Also, uh, in your bulletin, uh, we have these uh, prayer cards, um, so a prayer focus for each day, starting at the most personal level of spiritual renewal and moving out, eventually praying for uh, people all all around the world and God's work there. 
but really engage with this. I want, I want to challenge you to, to let's use this time well. Let's start the year off right, and let's ask that God would, would move in our hearts and move in our community for his glory. Let's spend some time right now praying that God would use this season to benefit us for a, a time of powerful spiritual nerve. Please, please pray with me. God, we thank you that you are a, a good God. And it's so easy for us to uh, drift through life and to kind of coast along and to not take time to stop and to reflect. So I thank you for the start to a new year. And I thank you for the opportunity that it provides us to pause and to uh, refocus on what is most important. And I thank you for uh, putting it on the hearts of, of these pastors to join together churches across our county and in a period of, of uh, focused energy, fasting and praying for, for your work among us. We know that this is not an automatic thing. We could engage in 21 days of, of a full fast even and, and not be filled by you. We don't want that to happen. We don't want to do this in our own strength, but we recognize that we are needy. We are empty and we ask that you, by the power of your spirit, would fill us, that you would satisfy us. God, we need you more than anything. We need you in our lives. Would you please meet us? We need you in our community. Just like we need you, our neighbors need you as well. I pray that by the power of your spirit, you'd bring many more people to life in Christ this year. And God, use us. Use us for your glory. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.